You're listening to Titans of the Trades. I'm your host, Ryan England, author of Hire Better People Faster and creator of the Corfit Hiring System, a proven process to help growing companies attract and retain only the best. I'm on a mission to revolutionize the perception of the trades and elevate it to new heights. After growing up in a blue collar family, my passion for making the trades cool again runs deep. If you're a Titan in the industry and want to be on my show, stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. But the work that we do makes a positive impact on all the people that are involved in it. So we talk about, you know, former employee testimonials, how they skipped entry-level college grad jobs once they walked to the stage or got multiple job offers or got paid more than their peers did for doing the same exact job. So we really paint the picture that this is the first step in their young professional career. And if they're excited and they're up to the challenge and they see this as an opportunity to grow and add value and to grow together, then we'd love to have them on board. And so the second thing we get is besides either no email or no thank you, we get a persuasive essay that has all the things they observed, all the values that they're magnetically attracted to, how they can see this being a, a transformative opportunity in their young professional career. and those are the candidates that get the job offers. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about one of my most favorite things when it comes to attracting, hiring, and retaining top talent. And that is your company's culture. How you define culture, how you use culture, how you embrace your culture, how you get your team engaged around your company culture. Today's guest actually is a very interesting challenge that he has decided to overcome, and that's hiring today's youth. Those people that are in college that are looking for a leg up so they can start their career. And if you're like me, you're thinking, wow, people that young, how do you get them to be engaged? How do you get them to be those rock star employees? And that's what today's guest is going to share with you. I want to welcome to today's show, Josh Cunningham with Five Star Company Culture. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. When we first talked, you have such a unique outlook on the younger generation in the workplace. And we've all heard how basically anybody under 30 is lazy, they're entitled, they don't want to work or they want to work remote and that's it. You have a different opinion. Absolutely. 100%. And I would love for you to just shatter that for us right now. Just tell us, what is it about the younger generation that we need to know so that we can effectively engage them in the workforce? I think the first thing is to just really come to the understanding that everybody is unique. Everybody is different. You know, we're all individuals. We have our different strengths, our different weaknesses. We have our different perspectives, our upbringings. They say nature and nurture, and then there's also free will. I think it gets really lazy when people try to generalize or stereotype a group of people based upon when they were born. Now, there are some significant commonalities between people. Everybody is not all the same and exactly alike. So this generalization of people being younger, being lazy, I think that generalization in itself is actually very lazy. We were talking about it, like if we were have recording this in the 60s, when the boomers were starting to get into the workforce, we'd probably be having the same conversation about them. They're all lazy and entitled. They don't <laughs> want to do what they want to do when they grow up. I think you're right. I think sometimes it's easier to play the victim mm-hmm. card and say, well, it's not me, it's them. Mm-hmm. It's not me, it's an entire generation, yeah. which is a weird realization. But I think sometimes it's easier to just play the victim card and say, hey, I'm a victim of this. There's nothing I can do than it is to say, wait a minute, 
maybe there is something I can do and I have control over this situation. Talk to me about that for a second. You know, when I first started my business 10 years ago, I had the vision to help real estate agents follow up with their leads. So there was a a big gaping problem in the real estate space where these real estate teams and and agents were uh, generating a bunch of online leads and they didn't have anybody to follow up with them. And, you know, I... I'm a graduate of Texas A&M University, and despite all the Aggie jokes, it's actually a very prestigious university that has high selection standards. And so I had the vision or the hallucination or the crazy wild idea that I could go back to College Station, Texas and hire all these sharp and enthusiastic college kids to do the work that nobody else wanted to do, you know, make phone calls to internet leads. And so again, you know, when I first started explaining this idea and this vision to people, they're thinking, oh, college kids, they're all... Well, just lazy, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to want to do any work, you know? And so again, that's a stereotype. That's a generalization. What was going to make our business different was not just going to be the fact that we were going to do the work that other people didn't want to do, but in the way that we did it and, and, and putting the meaning and the purpose behind the work that we were doing. And so I always enjoy talking about company culture and how that's truly the foundation of where you build your success from. From day one, before I ever even hired my first employee, I, as the leader, as the founder and the CEO of the organization, had to clearly define and articulate what were the values, what were the beliefs, what was going to be that foundation that we were going to attract all this talent to and build all these systems and all these processes and create all this leverage and create all this freedom in life. And so, you know, I was actually on a flight out to visit one of my first clients in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I tore a piece of paper out of my notepad and I scribbled down five values and they were derived from my personal professional experiences. And the thing that people need to think about when it comes to building your work environment is the amount of time that you spend around these people. If you look at the comparison of like the time that you spend with your parents or the amount of time that a parent spends with their child, most of that is right off the bat, right? First 18 years of life, you're spending all the time with them. And then what happens? There's a transformation. They move out of the house and you spend less and less time exponentially. Well, think about your time spent with people in the workplace. It's the opposite of that, right? Most people don't have much of work to do for the first, you know, 16-ish so years of their life. But then as soon as they enter the workforce, now you're spending 30, 40, 50, 60 hours a week around the people that you work with. And so it was very important to me when I decided I'm going to build this organization, I'm going to hire this talent, we're going to do this work, we're going to help solve this problem. So I thought to myself, who do I want these people to be like? And that was my responsibility, right? Because if I didn't make that, that clear and decisive decision and just hired pretty much anybody, well, now you're going to wind up falling into that trap of being a victim and suddenly feeling like, oh no, I'm being taken advantage of and I can't find any good people. Nobody wants to work hard. You know, nobody wants to help me fulfill my dreams, but it, it comes from the leader first and it comes from defining what those values and those beliefs are. And that's what's going to help you attract the right type of talent to your organization. I'm not saying just like you're going to say, someone might say that everybody in this generation is lazy and entitled and doesn't want to do work. I'm also not saying that that's not true entirely. But what I am saying is, again, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a leader, it's your objective to find the best of the best of whatever generation that is and to have them magnetically attracted to your organization. Oh, so much to unpack in what you just said. I, I, I caught a little reference to some Ryan Holiday in there too, with the amount of time we spend with our parents and we spend with each other. And I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I, 
I know that when we go to work, we give up time with our friends, our family, and the things we do for fun and trade it for spending time with these people. Mm-hmm. And if things don't mimic or reflect family, friends, and fun, we're in trouble. Absolutely. You said culture quite a few times. If I put 50 culture experts in a room and asked for a definition of culture, I would get 55 different <laughs> definitions. Right? Exactly. So tell me, what do you mean when you say culture? Yeah. So whenever I, I, I meet with you know, clients and, and, and start a new consulting gig, I want to essentially get a feel for what the organization is like. It's, it's, it's a hard to measure thing, but it's a feeling, right? And then you think about as business owners, what are we always after? We're always after these goals and objectives and achievements, and those are results. And results come from the actions that we take. But you got to think, where do those actions that we take come from? It really comes from our psychological and our emotional state of being. If you're in a positive state, you're more likely to make good decisions, which will lead to good results. If you're in a negative state, you're more likely to make some bad decisions that are going to lead to bad results. And so when you unwind it, you look at the results, you look at the actions that you take, you look at the, the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions inside of your body, but that all comes from your belief system, right? And your belief system comes from the things that you give attention to. So if you give attention to a bunch of negativity and you're you know, buying into the hype that all oh, these young people are lazy and entitled and, and uh, no good at, at work, then what do you think you're going to find? probably going to find a lot of that, you know? So it really comes down to your beliefs and, and what you're giving your attention to. And so to me, those beliefs in a, in a business world are, you know, core values, are your mission, are your purpose, uh, your vision for the future. And so that's sort of the best way I explain it. But again, all those things, you can measure some of the, the, the results of that, right? If you, if you fast forward to the results, but when you unwind it all the way back to the, that belief system, um, it's a feeling that you have. It's a feeling that people give one another when they show up to work, uh, when they leave work, when they accomplish something together, when they overcome adversity together. And uh, that's what makes us human. That's what makes us different than computers, you know? They haven't taken over the world just yet. I so appreciate what you did there where you were talking about the culture is more of a feeling that you have when you're there. Now, we can define it all day long, but it's that feeling and does it feel right and does it make sense for not only you but the people. I completely agree with you. You would you attract what you put out there. If you put out there that you're a victim and you tell everybody that everybody's lazy and entitled, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find lazy and entitled. It's it. I remember a long time ago, someone taught me this. They said, never use the word don't because when you use the word don't, people focus on the thing that you don't want them to do. Mm-hmm. Like go and tell a kid, don't spill the milk. Yep. Guess what's going to happen? Yep. A couple minutes later, you're going to get mommy, daddy, I spilled the milk. I'm like, I told you not <laughs> to do that because they were so focused on not spilling the milk. No. And when you sit there and you just think everybody's lazy, entitled, guess what you're going to find? Yep. You're going to find lazy and entitled. Exactly. And I know you work with this generation way more closely than I do, but I have found in my experience and the work that we do at Core Matters that they're some of the hardest working people I've ever seen. Now, are there lazy and entitled in there? Yeah. And I know boomers that are lazy and entitled, you know, people in their fifties and sixties that are lazy and entitled. So yeah, some of them. But I think the one thing about the younger generation that we have to recognize is they, some of them, a lot of them still don't know what they want to do when they grow yep. up and they're feeling things out and they're figuring out. And guess what? When you were 20, you were doing the same mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> that's simple. Yep. You might have forgotten about it. Right. So you, 
your business, you attract these people that are in college. They're going to college. They're figuring out what they want to be when they grow up. They come, they work for you and they cold call leads, right? Yeah. Like that's what they're doing they're on the phone all day long with leads exactly. for these businesses. Yep. And whew, so not only is that the kind of work that can be really tough to do, yeah. but you're also finding people. So you're not only finding people that want to do it. You're also finding people that want to be a part of your team. Exactly. So talk to me a little bit more about that. How do you take that, that vision, those values, those, those feelings that you have, how do you make sure that you're hiring people based on those things that you're matching people yeah. up? How do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So probably one of the most important steps in our interview process is what we call an observation. So in the early days, you know, we, we had this problem to solve. We knew where our talent was going to come from. And we were putting people through a very ordinary hiring process, you know, a resume followed by a phone interview, followed by an in-person interview. And that worked out well until one day in the very early days of our hiring process, we had this young man come in for his first day of training. He had gone through the process. We decided that he would be good at the work that we do. And he shows up for his first training shift. And, you know, again, we're, we're calling cold leads here. We're throwing people on a dialer that automatically dials just one number after the next, after the next. There's technology to learn. There's CRMs. There's rejection that they're going to face. They're going to get their teeth kicked in a little bit. There's a script that they have to learn. And shortly into his training shift, he politely asks to go to the restroom, walks down the hallway and poof disappeared off the face of the planet. He, he was done out. with us. He didn't want any yeah. more, anything more to do with what we had going on there. I don't blame him. I blame us because that was really a mm -hmm. failure on our behalf as an organization to really paint the picture clearly as to what was going to be expected in this role. You know, nobody's going to show up to an interview and not show you the best version of themselves. And so what we did was we made a minor adjustment that absolutely transformed our hiring process. And it was at the mm. end of that in-person interview, we said, you know, Ryan, I'm really impressed with your qualifications, really impressed with all the answers to the questions today. The next step in our interview process is to invite you back for an observation. We're going to actually pair you up with one of the more senior reps on the team. And for a full hour, you're going to get a full tour of operations. So you're going to see how we start our shift with a huddle. You're going to get to see how we set our goals. You're going to get to see the technology that we use, the scripts that we work with, the objections that you're going to have to overcome, the rejection that you're going to face and hear. And then at the end of that observation, we tell them, hey, here's our business card. Go home, think about it, sleep on it, marinate on it, and send us an email and let us know what you think. And one of two things happens. Either number one, just like the guy who vanished in the bathroom for eternity, we never hear from him ever again. And that's great because mm -hmm. we haven't tricked someone into being a part of our organization or tricked someone mm -hmm. into doing the work that we do here. Instead, what we've done is we've very clearly articulated what our level of productivity is, what our standards look like, and not only what we do, but why we do it. And that goes back to those core values. So we explain to people through the process what our five core values are, what our purpose is, is to move people forward. You know, Not only do we move people forward through the sales pipeline, but the work that we do makes a positive impact on all the people that are involved in it. So we talk about you know, former employee testimonials, how they skipped entry-level college grad jobs once they walked to the stage or got multiple job offers or got paid more than their peers did for doing the same exact job. So we really paint the picture that this is the first step in their young professional career. And if they're excited and they're up to the challenge and they see this as an opportunity to grow and add value and to grow together, then we'd love to have them on board. And so the second thing we get is 
besides either no email or no thank you, we get a persuasive essay that has all the things they observed, all the values that they're magnetically attracted to, how they can see this being a, a transformative opportunity in their young professional career. And those are the candidates that get the job offers. And so, wow. like I said, we started that probably eight or nine years ago. We've now hired and trained over 400 inside sales assistants. And we brag that we have an incredibly good employee retention rate because we're bringing in the right people, the right people that are not only, not only are we attracted to their talents and their skills, but they're attracted to our organization, and the environment that they're going to work in. That's the most critical step of our hiring process. And it sounds like you're doing a really good job to engage them up front. And like you said, not tricking them. Exactly. I see that happen a lot. And, you know, I look at it as that's that first impression, right? Everybody wants to make that great first impression. So the job seeker goes and buys new clothes and they get dressed, maybe take a shower, right? All of that. <laughs> and then the employer's like, all right, clean up the office. We got a new batch of recruits coming in. Yeah. Make it look all perfect for them so they like us. Yeah. And then we end up lying to each other for an hour and then go, let's make this work. And at the same time, everybody's sitting around going, why are we doing this? <laughs> you hire them and you end up going through the same thing. I love that you get rid of that tricking them. Yeah. I like the way you said that and making sure that they know who you are authentically, but you also know authentically who they are because I mean, that essay thing, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Why they want to be there. Now, one of the things you said that got me thinking is, uh, we, we work with a lot of companies that are hiring frontline employees, entry level. Like a lot of them may not like the work. They may not stick around. They may just move on. It sounds to me like you've actually created an organization that is designed around the idea that this is their first step mm -hmm. in a much larger career that is not with Rockerbox. Is that right? Absolutely. hundred percent. That's exactly what we say is our purpose is to move people forward. You know, we understand that not everybody wants to be and inside sales assistant their entire life. And that really the skills that we're teaching them are the fundamental skills of any sales position. And so, mm. you know, early on when we were hiring talent and then our team was, you know, graduating and they were moving on to the next step in their professional career, you know, there was there were some people that we were able to retain. We have a couple of management positions that some people stick around and, and move up within our organization, but a majority of them are going to go somewhere else. Initially, the first couple rock stars that we had that took that next step in their career was a little bit heartbreaking. It's like, oh man, you know, Zach's moving on. We wish him the best. And we poured so much into him and, and now we're not going to have him contributing on the team. But but then we just suddenly quickly realized that this is something that we should celebrate and we should get very excited for the fact that we've grown together and that they're now, you know, taking the next step in their career. Once we came to that realization, it just made the the, the model crystal clear that this is exactly what we're doing. This is this is what our purpose is. You know, our purpose is to move people forward. And we're very excited about that. We're a small college town in between all the big cities. And so a lot of our talent, you know, when they graduate, they want to go move back to big city. You know, they want to go get a, get a, get a big kid job or whatever that might uh, look like to them. And yeah. so we just, we just celebrate that now we get very excited. You know, I lot, write lots of letters of recommendation towards the end of every semester. And, and then obviously we broadcast their testimonials and we even have uh, once a month, we have an employee mastermind where we bring all of our existing employees together to brainstorm new ideas and talk about the opportunities in our business. And a lot of times we'll start off the mastermind by zooming in a former employee and for the first 15, 20 minutes, we'll, we'll interview that former employee and ask them about the impact that Rockerbox made on their life and where that has set them up for success in their professional career so that we can, again, connect the dots for the people who are here now 
and think, okay, yeah, I'm making calls all day, every day. You know, this just wasn't necessarily what I thought I was going to be looking forward to doing. But now I can see the dots connecting. And then if I, if I lean into this, if I, you know, persevere through the adversity, if I uh, really sharpen my skills, that, that this is going to, you know, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And so we, we very clearly p- paint the picture for them through that, that mastermind interview experience. I think it's really cool how you have built an entire, not just organization, but the interview process, the employee engagement process, everything built around the idea that these people are temporary mm-hmm. working with you. Mm-hmm. This isn't a life. This isn't career. Like you said, there's a couple that, that are lifers, but for most people, you are a stepping stone in a much larger plan that they have. Yet you still take the time to invest in them, to coach them, to train them. And I know there are people listening right now because we coach on this quite often that, oh, well, that's so expensive. I, why should I train somebody who's going to leave me in two years or six months or at all? Why should I put the investment in them? And I think the the easy answer is, well, everybody's going to leave at some point. Mm -hmm. You can't not train people, but it looks like you've built an organization around training people and knowing that they might only have a six month or a 12 month or a two year runway before they move on to something else. Yeah. What's the impact to the organization when people do move on, do graduate? I know a lot of times when people move on, the morale drops and people lose their friends and it can be really tough to keep that going. But I can imagine that you found a way around that. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I think it just starts with even just the language that we use. You know, when you say someone leaves your organization, that brings up a lot of negative connotation there. You know, a lot of negative feelings and emotions. When someone leaves, you're thinking of a scarcity mindset of something being taken away from you. Again, our purpose is to move people forward, right? How much how much better does that sound when someone's moving forward versus leaving, right? Leaving sounds like mm. taking away, more, moving forward sounds like contribution and, and success. Yeah. And so the way that our org chart is designed, we have about five positions within our organization and we, we hire everybody on the bottom line, and everybody learns the skills and moves up to the next position. So these moments where people don't leave, but they move forward, what that does is that creates an open seat, normally at the top. And so that allows other people to move up and to move forward within the organization. So, you know, obviously the, the friendships and the camaraderie is something that you, you're going to miss your buddy, you know, that you used to work with every day and maybe go out and hang out at the, at the bar district on the weekends or whatever fun, you know, stories that you have, little um, inside jokes and things like that. You're going to miss that. But the reality is that it's, there's an opportunity now because there's an empty seat and everybody gets promoted from within. And so everybody now has an opportunity to get elevated, you know, to, to become a leader of the organization, to learn more skills, to get more experiences and to start building their resume for the next several months and years until it's their opportunity to move forward as well. So it's just, it really is just a small mindset shift. It's a, it's a change in the language that you use. And then obviously people are very excited when we bring them in you know, on that day one observation that we show them, this is what our org chart looks like. And everybody here at the top started down here at the bottom and they slowly worked their way up. And so a lot of people like the opportunity that that provides. And so I think it's, it's twofold there. It's, it's, it's the language that you use, the mindset that you have, but also the way your organization is structured. You know, if someone just shows up in an entry level position and then they leave the organization, 
doesn't sound like much growth and development there. But if you can have someone show up at an entry-level position and provide them some steps to take, giving them more responsibilities, giving them more privileges, giving them more knowledge, giving them more proximity, right? Like I, for the last five years, ran the business in San Diego while the business stayed here in College Station. And I had, at any point in time, 30, 40, 50 employees. And the top eight, had the most access to me, had the most proximity to me. And so, yes, I engaged with everybody and we'd have employee appreciation events and, and, and you know, people would see me and, and you know, like to get to know everybody and know what their goals and dreams are. But the, the people at the top right, really got to spend a lot of time with me, got a lot of proximity with me, got a lot of investment from me. So by creating the organizational responsibilities in a way such as that, it gives people more hope and more desire to stick around and to lean in and to and to want to move forward with the organization. Got it. Yeah, I love that language piece of it. So the the culture isn't just what you've defined. I mean, it's actually what you've grown into over time as well. So your culture, it sounds like it's always evolving. It's always getting better. It's always thinking about the next thing. Mm -hmm. As we wrap up here, I have a question for you that you may not be prepared for, but I'm going to hit you with it anyways. You hire a lot of people because these people are moving forward. Uh They, They are moving on to that next step in their career. And so I imagine that you probably have higher turnover than some other people in your space, just because that's who you decided to target was people that needed a a start, a place to start, and then they can move forward. What would you say is your number one best recruiting tool? Like what's that tip you can give our listeners that are thinking, Hey, you know what? I would love to hire more college kids. I would love to hire people that are at the beginning of their career and train them to do it my way. What's the number one recruiting tip you have for those people? Uh, number one recruiting tip for us has historically been referrals. So, you know, mm. really leaning in and investing into the people that you currently have and then saying, hey, who, who else do you know that would love to have an opportunity yeah. like this? We've actually had siblings that have come through the university. You know, one of them came through and graduated and then their younger sibling came through and guess where they wanted to work, right? They came marching right up to Rockerbox looking for the opportunity that their older sibling had. But a lot of the a lot of our current employees are involved in, you know, student organizations and, you know, different classes and things like that. And so referral has always been a really great resource for us. And, you know, there's there's tons of hiring books out there and they always they always validate that referral based employee recommendations are are great because they they really understand what the expectations are and then they know their friend inside and out and know whether or not they would be capable of doing that. But if you're just starting right off the bat, right, you're starting from scratch, you've never made a hire, you've never hired a college student before, just find your local university and get in touch with their career department because obviously a university is motivated to make sure that people get full-time jobs after they graduate. But most of the universities, like here at Texas A&M, they also have a like a part-time job website portal because they want people to be building those experiences while they're in school. So 10 years ago, before we ever made our first hire, I reached out to the university. I said, here's my vision. Here's this opportunity that I want to create for students. And they said, that sounds phenomenal. We want to give you free access to our you know online portal here. And for the last 10 years, I've been putting free job postings up there every single week. And, you know, we always say that we're, we're always hiring, we're always looking for talent. And because we have that, that sort of validation from the university through their online job portal, I mean, we're just always constantly overwhelmed with resumes. And I say, that's, that's what we always want to have. We want to have an abundance of overqualified applicants uh, because that, that helps solve any issues that you have within the organization is, is having that next person to come in and step up to the plate. 
Uh, do not underestimate the value of employee referrals. Absolutely. I heard that. I agree with you. I think that's fantastic. So Josh, this has been great. I know people are listening and going, okay, Josh might know this culture thing a little bit. And the fact that he has subjected himself to building a team of nothing but college kids. Yeah. <laughs> Probably some insights you could give to our listeners. How do people get a hold of you? How do they learn more about the work that you're doing? Certainly. So you can check out our website, fivestarcompanyculture.com. And that's where we, we're starting an organization, a mastermind group that's completely focused on delivering a five-star company culture to your organization. Uh, go to the website, fill out the capture form, and I'd be happy to reach out to you. Or if you're more interested in Rockerbox, which is our done-for-you inside sales assistant solution in the real estate space, just go to rockerbox.com, R-O-K-R-B-O-X.com. It's spelled a little strange, but a Rockerbox is no gold mining tool used to separate sand and gravel from gold. And that's basically what we do with internet leads. So, and then if you want to just shoot me an email directly, josh at rockerbox.com. Thank you, Josh, so much for your insight and your wisdom on this. Uh, I know there was a ton of value packed in this episode. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ryan. It's always a pleasure. Ryan England here. Thank you so much for listening to Titans of the Trades. If you're a titan in the construction, manufacturing, or skilled trades industry and would like to be a guest on my show, please visit podcast.corematters.com. If you found value in this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and share it with a friend or post it on social. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Titans of the Trades. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, click the subscribe button. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and get me one step closer to solving the labor crisis facing the industry. Want to know more about how we're doing that? Go to our website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.